I'm Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. Last October, we spoke with South African golf legend Gary Player, who won over 150 professional tournaments on six continents over seven decades and was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame in 1974. At just five foot seven and 150 pounds, Player credits his lifelong devotion to physical fitness for his success on the golf course. Now, at 86 years old, he's still leg-pressing over 300 pounds, shooting under his age, and doing backflips off the springboard into his swimming pool. On the eve of the 2022 Masters Tournament at Augusta National Golf Club in Georgia, an event the Black Knight won three times, we wanted to share this popular episode again, maybe to inspire you to have a little more of what Gary Player is having, which, it turns out, is a lot of raw garlic. How are you, Lindsay? I am just peachy. How are you? I'm also peachy. Am I going to be speaking to you? You are. Is that okay? That's perfect. <laughs> you, look I, like a, you look like about a 15-year-old chick, man, alive. 15 years old? I'm going to be 44 in two uh, weeks. Uh, have, seriously, how many facelifts have you had? Really? I seriously. have had none, but I take a page from your book, and I exercise every day of my life, and I Good think it helps the face. It, of course it does. It helps everything. Yeah, every single thing. But how, how do we get people to do it? It's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle. <laughs> you are 100 percent correct. Oh, no. OK, I'm ready to talk to you about this. <laughs> I Before we totally get into this, I do want to like properly introduce myself for selfish purposes here. Uh, my name is Lindsay Berra. And I'm Yogi Berra's granddaughter. And oh, I think really? he had the pleasure oh. of playing with you a few times, if I recall correctly. And yeah, what, a, some of, oh, what a wonderful man. Yeah. He, uh, he wasn't the greatest golfer, but, you know, <laughs> he got out there. I think he's my dad said that he played with you at the Tucson Open a bunch of times in the 60s and the 70s and the Inverary and the American Airlines. Right. That's right. That's exactly so, right. What age did he die at? He passed away six years ago at the age of 90. Tell him I'm doing an interview. At 90. Well, what a life. What an innings. Oh, absolutely. And, and very similar to you, he was very active up until maybe like 18 months before he passed when he started to have some issues. But like he got up, he went to, um, he didn't even go to the gym. He used to go to the New Jersey Devils practice facility and walk on the treadmill and lift his weights and do his exercises. And he was playing golf and walking a ton. And, and I do really believe that that was what contributed to the longevity and the quality of his life in his later years. No question. No question, Lindsay. So, you, where are you right now, first of all? I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida, on a place called Jupiter Island. Gotcha. Jupiter is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you have been known, obviously, as one of the fittest players in golf for forever, probably the fittest golfer of all time. Did you just grow up paying attention to fitness, or was it something that did something happen that made you start paying more attention to your fitness? How did it become such a priority for you? Are we actually recording now? We are. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. Now, I tell you, my brother in South Africa went to war, the Second World War, when he was 17. And I remember my mother and father saying, you cannot go to war at 17. He said, I'm going to fight with the Americans and the Allies. Uh, and he came to war. And he, the day he left, he stood there and he said, what do you want to do one day? And I said, I want to be in 
professional athlete. He said, you're too small. I bought you a set of second-hand weights. Promise me you'll exercise for the rest of your life, which I adhered to. And he said, I might not come back. Well, he did come back and he became the world's leading conservationist. He saved the white rhino from becoming extinct. He spoke many languages. He got many doctorate degrees. So uh, that was invaluable advice because, you know, being small, it was a, a, big, a big asset for me being fitter than others. Mm -hmm. I wasn't as strong as maybe as others. But, you know, when you're playing day in and day out, living in motels and hotels, and spending your life on airplanes, and I traveled more miles than any human being ever, <laughs> traveling around the world with time changes to combat the time changes, being fit, eating properly, and laughing. You see, there are four things one's got to do. <laughs> but you cannot tell Americans to do this. You're wasting your time. <laughs> but there are a few that will listen. You've got to eat half as much. Yep. You've got to keep the body moving and exercising. Now, there are different degrees of exercising for different people who are able to. But when we're in an airport, we don't try not to take the escalator up or if you've got a meeting of a three-story building, walk up. People don't make the effort to keep the body running. You've got to keep that motor running. If you switch it off, you're going to go off. Mm -hmm. And the third thing, you've got to laugh three times as much as you do. I spend my day, I laugh all day long, and I'm absolutely positive that's been one of the greatest contributors to my longevity and strength at my age, 86, in a few days' time, basically. And uh, you've got to have unmeasured love in your heart. Now, if uh -huh. you can do those four things, that, that encompasses almost any subject, really. It's related to one of those things. So... <laughs> it's so funny that you say this thing about laughing. I just heard a stat recently that four-year-olds laugh X percentage of their day, and it takes a 40-year-old an entire week to laugh as much as a four-year-old does in one day. And if we can hold on to some of that you know, joy that comes with playing like a kid, I think we would all be in a better spot. <laughs> no question. But today, the, the world is so serious. You know, if you say you're a Biden fan or a Trump fan, they want to fight you. Why? Yeah. Why? I mean, if you, you respect the other man's opinion. Uh, you know, America's got to stay united. We stand, you know, and when you listen to another man's opinion, you might learn something. And, <laughs> you know, the great, the great Martin Luther King said, love beats hate. And I was with Mandela. I spent three years raising 20 million bucks for young black children in South Africa. What an incredible human being he was. And he said the same thing. You've got to have love in your heart. You cannot, if you have love, you go rotten. You go rotten inside. And so, you know, it's, a, it's time America now start working together. It's the United States of America, not the separate states of America. God, God, so, God bless. <laughs> yeah, you know, but a, a happy nation is a nation that looks after their health. Yeah. But when you come to exercise, 60% minimum of America are obese, 60%. How can healthcare systems survive in the future? Because it's not getting better, it's getting worse. You see kids going to school with a donut and a, and a soft drink of some kind, mm. you know, soda of some kind. You cannot sustain your body. People, for some unknown reason, there's a 
a feeling that you might live forever when you're young, but that doesn't apply. Why do Americans not worry about health? You live in the greatest land in the world. You have, it's a land of milk and honey. Yes, there are some, some things that are not right, but there's no place where it is utopia. This is the closest to you, Pope, to utopia. But in the schools, why are the schools, they were taking exercise out of the schools. Why not increase it? Why not during school breaks, make the children walk around the school? I mean, you sit in an airport, everybody that goes by is fat. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. They mm-hmm. don't understand that weight stops a train. Never mind a human being. I mean, I'm seven pounds overweight now, so I've dropped <laughs> two meals a day and I'm 86. And I, and I mean, you watch. Can you see my stomach there? Can you see me? <laughs> you, I was say, you, you don't look seven pounds <laughs> overweight, Gary. <laughs> so, I mean, but you've got to look after your health because without your health, you can do nothing. It's the yeah, greatest yeah. gift bestowed upon you from God. There's so, nothing that compares. You, I, I want people to understand this, that you at 86, you're still so devoted to your fitness. How often do you still, how often do you exercise now? Well, I, I ex- try to exercise four days a week, but then I'm, I go to the golf course. I'm playing four times a week. So I'm swinging that club. And let me tell you, you swing that club 100 or 200 times and play golf. You've had a workout that day. Please believe me. A lot of people don't realize that. So basically, I'm moving my body seven days a week. What do you do when you're in the gym? I do everything. I start off from my neck and I go down my shoulders onto my hands and my forearms and I... I do lots on my core, mostly on my core and my legs, because as you get older, your legs get weaker and you lose your balance and you fall. So many people fall. Well, the latest stat I saw, 8,000 people fall downstairs every year. Uh, The number of people that lose their balance and fall is numerous. So you've got to look after your legs and your core. But the big secret, we talk about exercise, which I do profusely. When I'm finished this interview now, I'm going to the gym. And I've already hit balls today. But I think now, after all these years and meeting the scientists and the gurus of the world, I think eating is more important. I think what you eat, I I think the most you should have is two meals a day. Imagine telling an American that you must only have two meals a day. He eats every meal like it's the last supper. In fact, (laughs) it might be the last supper. (laughs) But everybody overeats. You go to a restaurant. You order a steak, whatever you order, they give you three times too much. Everything is overeating, overeating. And when you pour all that food into your body and you don't excrete it and you don't exercise, you are going to get sick. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Do you follow any particular type of diet? It's very difficult when you travel like I do. You know, it's not at your beck and call, but I try and have as much fruit and as many vegetables as I can. I make a point of eating red onion every day if I can. I make a point of eating raw garlic when I'm here. I chop it up, put it in a tablespoon of honey. I take, I drink a lot of honey. I try not to add sugar to anything. I put honey in there and I swallow the raw garlic, garlic and red onions and lemons. You should have water, lemon in your water every night. All these things have been done for thousands of years, but people don't care about it. It's one of the big frustrations of my life. You know, I won 18 major golf tournaments and 165 tournaments. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be my legacy. I want my legacy to be this man try to contribute to society to in, enlarge and endure health 
and longevity because life is the greatest gift that is bestowed upon somebody. Absolutely. When you uh, eat two meals a day, which two meals do you eat? That's not easy because my life is not a normal at home and sit down and decide. I'm in airplanes, you yeah. know, uh, I'm doing dinner talks, I'm doing all kinds of things. But if I had my preference, they say, I think it was Shakespeare that said this, you eat breakfast like a king, a lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper. So if I do miss a meal, I think if people want to lose weight, you get all these ideas about losing weight. You only put on weight because you put excess in between your lips. That's the reason. And if you just, you don't put gas in your car when you park at the garage at night, do you? No. Nope. So what are you putting all these big steaks and big dinners and desserts in your tummy at night when you're going to sleep? It's going to turn to fat. The quickest way to lose weight is just don't have dinner. That's all. <laughs> Simple. Or have a small dinner. Yeah. Or eat at five o'clock. Yes. Did uh, you uh, did you have the same philosophy on eating when you were playing golf as a young a young man in the fifties and sixties? No, but I did eat a lot. I did eat. I've always been a fruitarian. I've always loved vegetables. I've always loved garlic. I've always loved onions and lemons. And um, so I've been doing that all my life. But you know, when you're young, you have a, a steak at night and a baked potato because you know you were using so much energy, excess energy. And I obviously ate more, but I never put on weight, never put on weight at all. Now I'm older. I've got to watch out very carefully about putting on weight. You know, bread, what value, what food value does bread have? I was just in Italy. I was disgusted. Breakfast, cold meat, the worst food, in my opinion. Everything I say, Lindsay, is my opinion. I don't mm -hmm. profess to be a professor, but I've had a lot of experience with this. You go to Italy, they give you nothing but breads and cakes and cold meat for breakfast. Cold meats are one of the worst things a human being can eat. And all what food value is in bread? I tell people on a golf course, I take a bit of green grass off the fairway. I say, that's got more value than a piece of bread. The carbs, you eat too much bread and too much cake. This is what puts on weight. And the quickest way to destroy your health is to put on weight. It's so frustrating for me when I sit in airports and I see young children walking by with their parents and these children now are 10 and 12 years of age and they're 20 pounds overweight. It's actually the parents are being cruel. They've been mm -hmm. cruel to their children for allowing that to happen because the children are innocent. You know, children are wonderful. They haven't, they're too young to learn about hate. They're too young. They only have love. They only laugh. But it's the parents. You need parental guidance. And if your parental guidance is not sufficient, you need schools. But your educational system in America is not the best in the world, I can tell you. It should be the best in the world, but many countries are way ahead of America when it comes to education, and that should not be. That is inexcusable when you live in the greatest country in the world. How are you uh, handling this with your, your grandchildren and, and, and what they eat? Well, most of my children are very fit. Most of them go to the gym and work out hard, I'm happy to say. No, they're very good at, uh, at looking after themselves. I'm very happy to say that. They do gymnastics, they play football, they play baseball. They, they, no, they, I must say, we've got 22 grandchildren, That's 15, amazing. American, 15 American and 7 South African. I must say, I, I'm very, very happy with the way my grandchildren have followed suit. Do you eat any cheat meals with your grandkids? If you're going to indulge, what do you eat? 
<sighs> I try and stay away from, I try and not drink any, uh, any sodas. I don't eat white bread. This is what I don't eat. Mm-hmm. I took an oath to God <laughs> uh, 25 years ago, never to have a piece of bacon or eat an <laughs> ice cream again in my life. Now, you know, I was an ice creamaholic and I love bacon. But all that fat I'm putting in my body is not good for me. And so, you know, they say the word luck. You know, oh, you're so lucky. You're 86. You work out like a 40-year-old. You still shoot par playing golf. You still travel around the world representing a lot of companies. You're like a 40-year-old. I said, it's not luck. Luck is the residue of design. Mm -hmm. I work at it. I'm aware of it all the time because I love life. I love people. So, you know, it's something that it just comes natural to me. If only we could get the schools to teach children what to eat. So what do you eat on your birthday? What's your, what's your, (laughs) I want to know what you cheat on. (laughs) Well, I love a sticker, you know, I don't even take the paper off. I just eat the whole damn thing. (laughs) Well, it's maybe, maybe there's more fiber in the paper. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, it comes a birthday or depends how many people are around you. I might be, I might be in uh, Timbuktu on my birthday on my own. You know, my life is very different. It's not like a normal routine. But uh, now, of course, I cheat a bit on my what I eat sometimes. Yesterday, I haven't had pancakes in two years. But I went to a restaurant, a little diner yesterday that my wife went to. And she liked a pancake, a blueberry pancake. And I just had one in her honor. So, but man, I love when I walked out of there, I said, man, that is not for me. (laughs) Not for me at all. Uh, You are what you eat. You are what you eat. And if... The legacy I want to leave behind is here's a man that tried to convince people the beauty and the value of health and that there's so much to look forward to and so much to be positive about. Mm-hmm. You know, people feel sorry for themselves too quickly. It's one thing about golf. When you're playing in this fierce arena, you feel sorry for yourself, you're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you, everybody, one thing we've got to understand in this, you're human being, you know, being 86 and having met all the presidents of America, leaders of the world, prime ministers, but also in the villages of Africa and India. And the uh, country that impressed me the most as far as running a country is concerned is Singapore. No graffiti, no papers in the street, no drugs. Just think, just think a minute, Lindsay. It's all food for thought. It's very absolutely. I don't know how you get this done. I don't know how you, people say, oh, I work out. I say, yes, you do. And I said, in one year's time, you won't be. And 99 times out of 100, I'm right. How many people, do you think 1% of America exercise? Think about it. 1% of 300 million is, is what? It's a lot. Of, it's- yeah. And I, I feel like maybe 10% start at on January 1 every year, and then it kind of wanes off. For for me, I, I am a bit weird. I, I feel like I'm, I'm calling you a bit weird by saying I'm a bit weird, but I get up every morning. And if I don't exercise first immediately, I can't get on with my day. I get, I bounce around like a little bouncing ball and I can't function if I haven't gotten the energy out exercising. So I start my day with it, but it's just sort of, that's my lifestyle, my routine. That's how I function as a human. So uh, my question for you would be, had you ever, have you ever, um, reached a point in your life where you wanted to step back from working out or is it such a part of your lifestyle that stopping never crosses your mind? Very good question. And it's as simple as ABC. You've got to say to yourself, do I want to die young? 
Do I want to enjoy every moment of it? It's a privilege. It's a privilege to live a long time. You've been blessed, but you've got to help yourself because God helps those that help themselves. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't. Life is not fair, and it's not meant to be fair. But the thing is, this that no, not for me. I don't ever think. Well, I, I don't want to do it. I, you know, I could say some days it's harder to go to the gym than others. But then I say, well, look at the fruits. Look at the fruits that are gathered by this. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how young you look. Honestly, you look like you look like I'm not kidding you, like a a, a young, young, young girl. Because oh, well, thank up. you. <laughs> no, it's not luck. Not luck. How many husbands you got? How many? If you had one or two or three, what? I live with my boyfriend of seven years now, but we're not married. <laughs> okay. Well, you see, I mean, if people t- if people have got to take pride in themselves, but it's very easy when you live in this great country. Lots of food, you know. You live in the land of milk and honey. It's to your detriment sometimes. All the great empires, the Roman, the British, etc., etc., crumbled because they wasted things and they took things for granted. And you can't do that when somebody else is working hard at something and you don't. They're gonna beat you. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's politics, whether it's sport, whatever it may be. Business, it, it applies in life. If you and what made America this great country? Hard work, respect. I mean, uh, that's what we got to get done. Did you feel as a golfer? Correct me if I'm wrong. You're fi- you were five seven, about 150 pounds when you golfed. Is that right? Correct. Did you feel that you had to work harder to compete with the bigger guys from from a I mean distance fitness perspective? That was the best thing that could ever happen to me that I was born a five foot seven or officially, yeah. and the other guys were big and strong because it made me work harder. Yeah. And I tell you one thing, I wasn't as strong as Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas, but I was a lot fitter. Mm-hmm. And Arnold Palmer at my age couldn't break 95. Nicholas, uh, he's, he's younger than me now. He, could, he struggles to break 90 and I'm shooting par. I've got as much energy. I'm traveling all around the world representing these companies and working hard at my age. I don't want to talk about retirement. Retirement is the biggest word is death. Retirement equals yeah. death. There's no such thing as retirement. And you, you know, it's, it's only a number. I had one of the greatest friends I had in my life was a black man on my farm in South Africa. He had no education. The most wonderful man, the way he ran his family, just, he was just a wonderful man. And I said to him one day, I said, Willie, how old are you? He said, I don't know. I said, you don't know. I said, try and think back of some politician when they were there. I was trying to work out his age. And he was 90-something. Wow. He died at about 93. And I said, well, when is your birthday? He says, every day. That was his natural response. No education. He said, every day is my birthday. Isn't that wonderful? We haven't scratched the surface of the mind the mind is the most powerful thing, and we haven't even taken the first step to it yet. What's going to happen in, in 50, 60 years' time? They look back upon us and say we were a bunch of dunces. We've got to work on the mind. We've got to work on the body. And we've got to be happy. Yeah. We've got to have love in our hearts, man. 
I, I saw some pictures on your Instagram, by the way, props to you for maintaining an Instagram at almost 86 years old, because I hate having an Instagram and I'm only in my forties. Um, but I saw you doing front flips off the diving board with your grandkids. And I saw you do a backflip off the boat, which was exceptionally impressive. So oh. clearly you are having a great time. But what I do want to know is, are these new tricks for you? Have you been doing that your whole life? Or is this something that you learned later on? Now, I got uh, uh, honors at school for springboard diving, and I used to do the forward somersault and the back somersault. But now what I'm, doing, I'm doing in training to just show the world, on my 90th birthday, I want to do a back uh, somersault and a forward somersault uh, to just show people that getting old, we got the wrong idea. I don't know where it came from. In the biblical days, people lived to old ages, and we were aware of that, but we let the negative take over and we think we're getting old because we, we're 80 years of age. I mean, honest to goodness. I mean, I, look, I might have get a disease, but if I don't get a disease, I'm, I've only got 14 years to go to 100. Only 14, I know. And uh, maybe you do backflips at 100 as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know do you, about that. Do you have other so, – so you want to be able to do a backflip and a front flip on your 90th birthday. Are there other, like – physical things like that that you use as benchmarks for yourself like i want to always be able to touch my toes or squat with my butt all the way down to the ground what are, what are those benchmark movements that you use for yourself well i like to go to my pool at home and see if i could go the length of the pool underwater i give myself tests all the time to see i'm testing myself am how much older am i getting than i think you know how many push-ups can i do how many sit-ups can i do um, I still do hundreds and hundreds of sit-ups, you know, all the, you know, I run on the treadmill. How long can I run flat out for? You know, there are all kinds of tests that I have all the time. And uh, also to, um, to see if I, my memory, my memory is, I'm, I'm blessed to say that at 86, my memory is like when I was 25 and I'm not kidding myself. You mentioned this, so I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you or not, but my good friend, Elise, she's one of the best female golfers I know, scratch golfer, played at Penn State. She's about 30 years old now, but she, I, I told her I was interviewing you and she said, I want to know how many push-ups he can do. So how many push-ups can you do, Gary? Well, I can, I can, I can do push-ups are not one of my big routines, but I could quite easily do 100 push-ups. Good for you. That's but, I, mean, I, can do hundred, I can do hundreds of sit-ups. Yeah. And I still push. I still push with a leg press, three hundred and fifty pounds with my legs. God bless. And you but said you're still running on the treadmill as well, right? I do. I run on the treadmill. You got to you got to build muscle, but you've also got to keep running on that treadmill or walking. The average person who can't do the strenuous exercise just keep walking. Walking is a marvelous exercise. You want to live longer, eat less and walk more. It's funny, you think about golf. I, I'm a very um, a, not good golfer. I just started a few years ago. I'm like a 20 handicap. But when I walk around on the golf course, I'm always fixing people's ball marks on the green. And I say, why are there all these ball marks? Why don't people fix these? And the answer I get at our golf club is that the old guys can't bend down to fix the ball mark. And I'm like, they're out here trying to swing a golf club, yet they can't bend over to fix the ball mark. And it just speaks to the uh, poor physical fitness of folks in our society. <laughs> it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. That they cannot bend down to fix a ball mark. And that's true. 
You know, most guys have got such a big stomach. I'll be a little unusual here. They haven't seen their tochas in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I might have said they haven't seen their shoes, but you know, that works too. <laughs> um, uh, so you uh, said, uh, you're, you're still uh, I just don't know. We need, we need awaken, uh, an awakening with parents and their children, with schools and their children, elderly people going for a walk not overeating, laughing. You know, there's so many things we've got to do because, man, when you live in America, you are living in a land of milk and honey. You, you've said a couple times that you're playing golf a, a couple times a week still now. And I saw some videos on your Instagram where you said you were working on, on different things. You're, you're almost 86. You're one of the best golfers the world has ever seen. You're still working on your swing? Yes, I, I continuously try a little different things. There's so much, it's such a, you know, I was a four-letter man at college and golf is more difficult than all sports put mm. together. You've only got to speak to all these superstars in other sports when they come to golf, how they all endorse what I've said. So it's always a great challenge and it, it keeps your mind working. And it's so, it's like a science. And another thing I do, I study genetics every day for at least an hour. You've got to do things to keep your mind working. You know, when I do exercises, if I say I'm doing 250 sit-ups, well, I, I do the first 100, then I go backwards, then I go in between. So you've got to exercise your mind as well as your body. You've got to keep that mind working. And I tell you, we haven't scratched without being repetitive. We haven't scratched the surface of the mind yet. Do you, the, the fact that golf is such a challenge and there's still so much tinkering to be done even though you are you know as close to an expert at golf as we could possibly find is that one of the things that keeps you going back to the range like and you're tinkering with your backswing or you're changing your grip or whatever it is you're doing it, 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 that curiosity is that something that keeps you going yes uh yes to a degree but the biggest thing that keeps me going is to break my age Mm-hmm. And I've done my broken my age over 2,500 times in a row. Wow. So now, you know, I'm 86 at the end of this month. I've got to shoot 14 over par. Well, three over par is a bad round for me. So I can really set the, the world record for the most number of times anybody's ever broken their age. And that's a continuous challenge to me. We must have challenges. I believe, whether it's how far you walk today and tomorrow you walk more, whatever it may be, challenges are a very good thing. Go set goals for yourself, irrespective of how old you are. Do you have a most favorite round of golf you've ever played? Uh, That's very hard to say, but I I find the first round that comes to my mind in 1978, I was seven shots behind going into the last round of the Masters. And I came back in 30 on the back nine and I won. Wow. And then the next week I was seven behind again at the tournament of champions in Acosta against Ballesteros. And I shot 64 and won again. The next week we went to Houston and I was six behind Andy Bean and I shot 64 again and won. So then I traveled to Australia one year from France, got there three hours before I teed off in Melbourne. That's a, 10-hour time change, and had never seen the golf course and won the Australian Open by seven shots, but only because I was so fit. Mm -hmm. I could do these things because I was definitely way 
fitter than any other golf. And when I started doing weights, there were two of us, Frank Stranahan was his name, and myself, we were ridiculed. We were told you'll never win a tournament past 35. You can't do weight training. Now they're all, most of them are doing it now. Even if you're a chess player, you should be doing weights. You've got to weight strengthen your bones. You've got to eat properly and you've got to exercise. But you know, it's like anything. It takes an effort. And I think the human being is on the lazy side inclined. We've been watching, obviously, the PGA this year, and Bryson DeChambeau has gotten very muscular, and it's been very controversial. Have, have you, I mean, I, I think you probably even know Bryson. What do you think about this kind of fitness revolution that's hitting golf now? I think it's fantastic. Well, look, look, here, look at the prodigious distances he's hitting the ball. I know. Look how he's playing. All these guys, most of them, not all of them, most of them are working out now and realizing what an asset it is. When you're coming down on the 72nd hole and you tying for the lead and there's a first prize of a million dollars, there's big pressure on you. Oh, yeah. And so if you fit and you've got blood circulation throughout your body and your body's correctly nourished, and you think properly, what an asset. It's not the swing is the thing. The swing is the thing is not the answer. It's how your mind works and how great a putter you are. What a competitor you are. To be a great, uh, one of the best competitors on the tour is Jordan Spieth. He's mm -hmm. by, by no means the best player on the tour. He's one of the worst, actually. <laughs> but, but he's actually, I'm talking about from tee to green, hitting the ball from tee to green. But he's, he's the sixth leading money winner in the world. And how I admire this man. What a competitor. What a great short game he's got. And how he's in the arena. You can see him working on his game all the time. I just love watching Jordan Speed. He's my favorite guy to watch because he's, he's really a competitor. He's got what you call it. Now, yeah. not many people ever get the title of it. It is indefinable. There's certain businessmen. It's like this man that I work for. In, uh, I've just been down there in Arizona, the PXG Golf Company. I mean, this, you go to his club there and you see how beautiful it is, how well organized it is, how he manufactures the club, how the gifts he gives people, the letters he writes people, just the service. And he's got it. And some people have got it, whether it's marriage. I mean, I told my wife every day of my life how much I loved her. And she told me every day, how many people do that, Lindsay? People don't do that. You've got to do that. Yeah. You've got to, it doesn't matter what it is, you've got to work at it. Don't take, particularly when you live in this country, you're inclined to think you've got an entitlement or you, you know, it owes you that. It doesn't owe you anything. You owe America everything. I want to ask you, you're around these young guys on the PGA Tour all the time. I see you with Roger Federer and the South African rugby team, and I'm sure that they are so in awe of you and have so many questions for you and your about, about your success and how you've stayed in such great shape into your 80s. But I would also imagine that you're taking a lot from them as well. What, what do you get from hanging out with these younger guys and these young athletes? I like to question people on how their minds work. You know, who has faith, who doesn't have faith? Who relies on luck, who doesn't rely on luck? Who loves adversity? When I played against Arnold and Jack, uh, I loved the, the challenge. I loved the adversity of golf. I loved the adversity of sports. I loved the adversity of life. The trouble is so many people get depressed today 
And there are numerous people, as you know, that get depressed because there's something slightly bad happens to them. They get worse and worse and worse. We must realize that there's not a single soul, and this is important as talking about exercise. There's not a soul on this planet that doesn't have adversity and doesn't have problems. Adversity, you must accept it with open arms because after adversity comes a joyous life. I suffered like a junkyard dog when I was young. <laughs> my mother died when I was nine. My brother went to war. My father was working 8,000 feet down in a gold mine. My sister was at boarding school. Took me an hour and a half to get home. Nine years of age, cooking my food, ironing my own clothes, having to wake up at night. I lay in my bed every night wishing I was dead crying. The greatest gift I ever had. That's why I became a world champion. Absolutely. So at the time you think adversity is bad, try and turn it around and say, Everybody has it. I'm not the only one. Don't feel sorry for yourself. I'm not the only one. Everybody has adversity, one way or another. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an amazing life you've lived, Mr. Player. Um, do you have, beyond shooting your age every day, I mean, you're out there, like you said, representing companies and traveling all over the world, and you want to do the backflips on your 90th birthday, but what are your, what are your other goals right now? Uh, basically to raise a lot of money for underprivileged children around the world, which we've done. We've raised a lot of money and we're now doing one uh, called, it's basically Vivian and Gary for abused children. Okay. Because there's nothing more sad than to think of a child that is being abused. But the other thing that really is so close to my heart it just breaks my heart and tears me apart that I think, the, from what I've read, between 15 and 20 vets committing suicide a day. Yeah. And the same thing happened to my brother when he came back from war. He gave, they gave him nothing. You've got to be so grateful for these people. These are the people we've got to look after. It's so interesting what you say about adversity. Now you're bringing up the veterans. Like I think about my grandpa all the time. He was on a, a LCSF, SS, a rocket boat off of Omaha Beach during the D-Day invasion. And then he came home and went on to be with the Yankees. And people used to ask him about the pressure of being in an at bat during a world series. <laughs> and he didn't make this, make this, you know, parallel because I, you know, he didn't want to belittle it. But I, uh, I think that after you come home, after being on a rocket boat during D day, you know, what real pressure is. And I think that he was just grateful for every extra moment he had on this earth and the pressure never got to him after that. And it, it really is interesting how adversity creates just tough, folks and, and you know you're of that same generation as my grandfather and it's it's oh, really no pretty question. incredible i am going to change the subject to a little bit less serious here now i'm going to ask a couple quick questions just because oh, yeah. i think folks always want to know what the really good people are are doing you're still shooting par how far are you driving the ball now uh 230 to 240 yards is how far off is that from your playing days Oh, I would probably hit it two. I would probably hit it three hundred today with the modern equipment. That's still pretty it's impressive a, at eighty. At eighty, it's not driving that wins tournaments. It's putting. no, absolutely. Putting is the mind and putting. Look at Jordan Spieth. I'll come back to him. Mm -hmm. He is the best chipper and putter in the world, and he's lying sixth uh, in the world in the ranking. So it shows you the yeah. Value. I was going to ask how your golf game has changed as you've lost distance, as you've gotten older, but you're still shooting par. Well, my mind is better. My mind is better because I worked on that every day. And my short game is still very good. And 
we got clubs that are so much better than when we played with 10 times better and greens we never thought we'd even see we used to have spike marks and no mowers to cut them properly and the fairways and the prize money i mean it's just out of this arnold palmer was the first man to win a hundred thousand dollars in a year we thought it was a miracle <laughs> now you you get a hundred thousand for 10th place yeah <laughs> showing up basically don't have to be that good a player now to become a multi-millionaire it's amazing when you are out walking your uh, 18 holes of golf now, what do you keep in your golf bag for snacks? Do you eat on the course? Uh, yes, I do. I usually have some fruit of some kind. Okay. little Everybody's got to have a little snack. What is your least favorite exercise to do in the gym? The one that you hate to do, but you know it's good for you, so you do it anyway. I'd say uh, the deadlift. <laughs> really it's so such a you know it's just ah it's tough to do but That's so I, important because you have to pick things up you have to and you you know at my age your back has got to be strong and when i'm traveling i usually have somebody traveling with me but there are times i've got to get my golf bag and my two suitcases out to the cab or out to a car and off onto the scales i don't know what happens if i wasn't strong enough to do that I, I wouldn't be able to travel really with the way my baggage that I had. So, so the, the when world. I have something, when I have something that I don't enjoy doing, I immediately say, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> you follow? I love it. And you know why I love it? Because I'm still able to do it. Yep. So I'm you, a the mind you the mind makes the adjustments to everything. We, I'm a CrossFitter and we do a lot of burpees and everybody hates burpees, but we all have t-shirts that say, I love burpees. <laughs> then on the back, you say, I'm a liar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you eventually, if you fall down on the floor, you have to be able to get up. So you might as well practice it. <laughs> This has been such a great conversation. I could talk to you all day, but we don't have that much time left. Well, I, I usually, I often end these things with people giving folks some advice, but I think you did it at the beginning. Eat half as much, laugh three times as much, move every day and keep that love in your heart. And I feel like that is fantastic advice. <laughs> and also just remember how I always say when I end up, God bless you, Lindsay, and God bless America. My goodness me. What a country. Gary, thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today. And I hope you have a fantastic workout. And okay. I will be looking for that post when you're 90 with those backflips. <laughs> You'll come and do a backflip with me. <laughs> I'll try. I can still do cartwheels and handstands, but I've never been able to do a backflip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you, Gary. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us in that look back on one of our favorite episodes with golf legend Gary Player. For tips about golf, fitness, nutrition, and life, you can follow Gary on Twitter at, at @GaryPlayer and on Instagram at, at @Gary.Player. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at @foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. Mm -hmm.